0: Well, today we're gonna start a really a two-week series on kind of a topic or a saying that we, you've, you've probably heard us say if you've been here for the last few months or more, uh, and it's kind of a saying, uh, is a big part of the culture of our church because it's a big part of how uh, the Bible tells us to live. Uh, and I'm, I, this should probably scare you. Pastor Josiah said this to you as well last week, but I'm not even gonna have you open your Bible to a specific place <laughs> Uh, today, again, because this principle that we are going to look at this morning, it's found throughout the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament, the New Testament, and so I'm going to show you actually a bunch of scripture verses, but I'm not going to have you uh, just find a specific one at this moment. In this this series, we've actually titled it, To and Through, To and Through, and this week we're going to talk about the 2 part. And you're like, what in the world does this mean? Uh, well, this week and next, we're going to be talking about two different principles that are again seen in the Bible and have to do with how God wants uh, uh, wants us to put Him first with our money. Now, just nobody run for the door, <laughs> lock the doors. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I know I just said the M word, and that scares a lot of people, especially when we're sitting in a church setting. But I think about it, why is it that it scares us so much? And if it scares us this much, this is absolutely something that we need to be talking about. It's a big enough deal. It's, it's this massive thing. It's a big enough deal to cause us to not even want to talk about it. I really think God has a lot to say about it. And he wants us to hear from him in this. So this week and next week, we're gonna look at the principle of giving to our church. This week is to our church. Next week will be through our church. These two words, to and through, are used to represent the two main types of giving that we talk about here at River of Life Church. Giving to our church, which means, which we are talking about today, has more to do with the tithe, And we'll talk much more about that in the next few minutes, but giving through our church represents everything we send out around the world uh, into our own community to reach the lost people, to help those that are hurting, and to train others to do the same. That is giving through our church, just like we heard about giving to ICCM, we are giving through to them to support them. Many times churches call this different things. They will just simply call it giving to missions. Here at River of Life Church, we call it Kingdom Builders. And if you don't know what that means, that's okay because that's what next week's all about. So I encourage you, come back next week to hear about Kingdom Builders. And so today we're talking about a very churchy word, a word that isn't really used outside of a church setting, but it's found actually multiple times in the Bible, and it's the word tithe. And I've already scared you with the word money, so you shouldn't be freaking out now about the word tithe, but tithe simply means tenth or 10%. And so I want us to quickly, like I said earlier, we're going to go on a little bit of a journey looking through different scripture passages of what this word actually or really means. And the first place that we see this word is in the first book of the Bible. In Genesis 14, uh, verses 19 through 20, we have uh, a a scene with Abraham. We all have heard, maybe have heard of Abraham, but uh, it says this in Genesis 14, and Melchizedek The king of Salem and a priest of God Most High brought Abram some bread and some wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. That word tenth is the same word as tithe. Uh, it's it's the same Hebrew word. Sometimes it's translated in the Bible as tithe, and sometimes it is tenth. We see it in different ways. And here Abram is with this priest. He has just had this amazing victory in a battle, and Abram responds in this way. He says, "Yes, God has given me victory in this battle, but not only this battle." in my entire life. He has done so many other things in my life and because God has done so much for me, I want to give him a tenth of everything to just say thank you to God. I have to say thank you to God. That's the very first book of the Bible. And it's a response to what God has done and who he is. And so I will continue on and then the third book of the Bible, the tithe actually is a command from God. In Leviticus 27, verse 30, it says this, One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord, and, he must, be, and must be set apart to him as holy. In the very next book of the Bible, we see the heart of God in this. So we've seen Abram's heart, we see it as a command from God, and now we see the heart of God and why he wants us to tithe. Deuteronomy 14 talks about it. In verse 23, it says this. Bring this this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored, and eat it there in his presence. This applies to the tithes of your grain, New wine, olive oil, and firstborn males of your flocks and herds. Doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. In other versions, that word fear is sometimes reverence or as respect or in remembrance. God is putting this practice in place so that we will remember to revere and respect to fear God. All of these are honoring words. And it is this principle of honoring God in this area of our lives. Now you might be like, okay, there's a lot of Old Testament here, Aaron, but well, here's some New Testament for you. We even see Jesus talking about this principle and the heart behind it. And he doesn't directly in this verse talk about you must tithe, but the heart behind of why you're tithing. he's actually talking to the Pharisees and they're tithing, but they're missing the heart of it. In Matthew 23, 23, it says this, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, you Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the most important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And I want just for a moment here to stop and to point something out that there is an absolute pattern here if we take a step back with all this scripture and I want to make sure that this morning that we see it. In all these places and others in scripture we see that people who have hearts that are moving towards God, tithe. People that are moving towards God, they tithe. There, before there was ever even a command from God to tithe that we saw in Leviticus, Abraham's or Abram's heart was moving towards God and he starts tithing. In Deuteronomy we see God trying to bring people closer to him, drawing them towards him. And in Matthew again we see Jesus dealing with the matters of the heart. And I, I believe strongly Absolutely that every Christian at some point needs to evaluate their life and get to the point that says this, God, I've given you my life, I'm all in, my heart is yours, everything that I have is yours. Everything that I have belongs to you and I'm going to honor you the way you have asked me to by tithing. I think that if we are growing in our faith and we are moving towards God, this isn't a scary thing. This is a natural reaction. Many times in the Bible, we see this concept of tithe talked about maybe in a little bit of a different way. It's not really different, but the, the idea is so important and it's called first fruits. And I have three verses here that I will quickly show you. The first one is this, Proverbs 3, verse 9. It says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Other versions say first fruits. Nehemiah 10.35 says this, We promise to bring the first part of every harvest to the Lord's temple, year after year, whether it be crop from the soil or from our fruit trees. 2 Chronicles 31.5 When the people of Israel heard these requirements, they responded Generously. By bringing the first share of their grain, new wine, olive oil, honey, and all the produce of their fields, they brought brought a large quantity, a tithe of all they produced. The principle that we are seeing with these two practices is we are to put God first. We are to put God first with everything that we have, not hold anything back, the first of everything, and that is why it is called First Fruits. Now, I've asked 10 people to help me, and I'm going to ask those people to come up here and help me quickly get set up for an illustration. Uh, So it might get a little chaotic, might get a little crazy. Hopefully, I don't lose any of you while we do this, but I have this. so If they quickly move, um, we can get those tables here. Um, I have seen this illustration done a few years ago, and it was very impactful. It was very impactful. There we go. That's good. Uh, And so we're gonna have a little bit of a visual here. I'm gonna move it, yeah, okay, we're good. I just don't want anybody to fall off the stage or, you know, it's already distracting enough. Somebody break something. That's good right there, we can do that. All right, all right, so I have this illustration and we have two tables, just set it down there. Here we go, okay, sorry. This is harder than I thought it would be, trying to get this all organized. This is way harder. But basically, first fruits. God asks for our fruit, first fruit. He wants our best. He doesn't want to be a second thought or an afterthought to anything. And so this principle of tithing, I'm going to use this illustration this morning, and hopefully it helps you. It doesn't distract you too much. So the fr- we, have, we have a whole bunch of fruit up here. Okay? In the midst of a fast, you're welcome. Um, We have a whole bunch of fruit up here So basically this principle of the tie that says God you have given me Ten pieces of fruit You've given me ten pieces of fruit And I'm going to give you the first and the best So we've got the first I think it looks like the best And so we're going to take our first We've got our table here We have God's table here And so we're going to take the first And we're going to put it I'll put it over here So I don't have to walk as far later on and then you guys will just put. So this is what God asks us to do. He says, "I want your first." So He gives us ten bananas. All right, you guys can yep move a little quicker. Here we go. <laughs> or we're gonna be here till the Vikings start. Let's go. All right, all right. What is the next fruit we have? What is the next fruit we have? My goodness. Okay, everybody, just, this is way distracting. We have apples. God has given us apples. He given us ten. Bags of apples, and he asks us for our first. So the first one, you guys just go ahead and keep putting it on there. Okay? So God asked for our first bag of apples, and we put it on his table. This is the tithe, our first fruit. All right, what's next? Pineapples. God has given us ten pineapples. This is going to get really repetitive, guys. I think you're already starting to see the point. But here we go. We got ten fruit. God has given us ten pineapples, and we're going to put the first one on God's table, our first fruit. Our next fruit is this. My my first person is really slack in here. I don't know. God has given us ten kiwis. God has given us ten kiwis, and He asks us to give the first. So we're going to put that on God's table. What's my next fruit? He's going to throw it at me pretty soon. God has given us 10 mangoes. God has given us 10 mangoes and God says, I want your first. So we take our first and we put it over here on God's table. What's our next fruit? This is fun. You are going to throw it at me. Yeah. What do we got here? We have pears. We have three pounds of pears. God has given us ten bags of three pounds of pears here, and he asked for our first and our best. So we will take our pears, the concept of tithe, and give it to God. What's our next one? We got an orange. God has given us ten oranges. He asked us for our first and our best. So we take that and we put it on God's table. What's next? What's next? What's next? Hey, yeah. Okay. What is this? Oh, it's a grapefruit. God has given us 10 grapefruit, right? So God has given us 10 grapefruit here, and he asked for our first and our best. Here it is. Here's a grapefruit for God. What's next? Oh, we're still putting grapefruit on the table. All right. God has given us 10 lemons. God asked for our first. So the first one, before we put anything on our table... We're putting it. You guys are getting loud over there. I don't know. Our first goes on this table. Oh, look. We have a lime. God has given us 10 limes. And he asks for the first and the best. So we put it on God's table. How many we got left? Is that it? that's That's it. Thank you guys so much. Okay, here. Thank you, thank you. This is your table. Right here. This is your table. And I don't want you to miss this and the craziness and the fun of this. God is saying, I am giving you all of this. All of this, and I just want one. I just want one, and I want the first and the best. I want to know that I'm number one in your life. You can have all this. You can have all this, but I just want you to trust me in this. But isn't it really sad we struggle with this? We struggle with this because we live in this materialistic consumer mentality, living beyond our means with this constant pull to spend everything that we get. And that's why this seems so hard. God in tithing says, let me show you a better way of living, and this is it. There is a key story in Malachi, Malachi chapter 3, and this is so powerful. Malachi 3, 7 through 10, God says this. He says, Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty, but you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. And you ask, how are we robbing you? In in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Remember this, hearts moving towards God are honoring God with what they have. Hearts drifting away are moving it over to their own table. God is telling these people through Malachi, Come back to me. And they ask, How are we supposed to return to you? What do you want us to do? And his answer is this simply honor me in your tithes and offerings. Because at, right now, you're robbing me. You are taking what is mine and you're putting them on your own table. Think about how sad that is. We're over here at God's table eating his stuff. Biblically, this is our table. And yet we're over here eating off his. God says, look at all I'm blessing you with over here. I'm just asking you to honor me with your first and your best. You have been robbing me. That belongs to me. You're supposed to be living all in with me. I want your whole heart. I want to be first in every area, but you're keeping me out of this area of your life. We really see God's heart in this when we read the pa- this passage of scripture and we look at these tables. God says, Do you understand? I've blessed you with so much and you're taking mine. I want us to be good. I want us to have this amazing relationship, but you're stealing from me. He's saying, Your table's overflowing. Almost to the point of stuff falling on the floor, I've given you more than you could possibly need because I love you. And I want you to show me that you love and trust me as well. And the thing is, is that we need to understand this this morning is God doesn't need our grapefruit. God doesn't need our grapefruit. He doesn't need it at all. This is bigger than that. This is trust. This is, please trust me. In the area of your finances, this is showing me that I have your heart, that I have your soul, that I have your stuff, and I have your everything. Don't let materialism and greed get in the way. The second half of the scripture that I just read, at Malachi 3, is also as powerful because we really see God saying, this is important in me. He says, test me in this. This is a big deal. So much so that God says, I'll let you test me in this. I'll prove to you that you can trust me and I'll prove to you that this is a better way of living. And as I was thinking about it, I'm not really sure there's any other area where God says, test me. In fact, Jesus kind of even said the opposite when he was in the desert. He said he was being tempted by Satan. He says, do not test the Lord your God. And I'm like, all right, Jesus, what are you doing? Because God said, test me. But apparently God makes an exception with this because he says, test me. I know that there are people, I've heard stories of people who have taken this challenge of God that they weren't tithing and they heard this challenge and said, okay, God, you're on. And they've tried this out, this idea of tithing and began moving towards God and their hearts softening in this area and they've never gone back. I know for me that this message, like most pastors are like, I don't want to talk about tithing. This is something that is massively important in my own life and my husband Buster and I can attest to how God works. Early on in our marriage, Buster got hurt at work and we decided he had to go back to school because he wasn't able to do what he used to do. Time, two incomes, and he decided to go back to school but then he looked at me and said, I don't want to work, I want to focus on school. And so I said, oh, okay. So this is fine. We're going to figure things out. We go down to one income understanding. Obviously, there's the normal bills to pay. There's all of these things. On top of, he has two boys that we were supporting in New York, so there's child support on top of it all. And it was crazy because that very first week after he had quit his job and we had kind of figured out our budget, we got to church and opened the checkbook up. If you're a kid in here, we used to pay things with those. We opened our checkbook up and he looked at me and he says, What's our tithe going to be? At the same time, we said, We're not changing it. We're not changing it. We're keeping it based on two incomes. And we didn't, I had one job. Buster went to school, graduated top of his class because he could focus on that. I don't know how our bills got paid for two years. But we gave based on two incomes because we said, God, we trust you in this. We trust you in this and we know that you're going to take care of us and we know that you're going to do your own math, God. And he did it. I love tithing. I love giving back. There is never, ever a time in my life when I have more joy than when I'm tithing or I'm going above and beyond. And there are many other stories that are out there that they get to the end of the year and they look at their books when they've been tithing faithfully to God and they go, did we pay their taxes? Did we forget a bill? You hear them say, I feel like we have more now with 90% than with 100%. Understand this, God has set up this powerful system of trust with this powerful promise that God will take care of us. This is a powerful system to change our hearts, to soften our hearts, to draw us towards him. But he's also set up this amazing powerful system to financially fund his mission. Relevant Magazine did an article on what would would happen if every Christian in America tithed. And this article uh, blew me away. But I have some of the stats here for you. It says, if every Christian started to tithe in America, there will be an additional $165 billion for churches to use and distribute. Maybe that's too big of a number to put it into perspective. $25 billion could relieve global hunger, starvation, and deaths from preventable diseases in five years. $12 billion could eliminate illiteracy in five years. $15 billion could solve the world's water and sanitation issues, specifically at places in the world where one billion people live on less than $1 a day. And $1 billion could fully fund all overseas missions work. My husband's the accountant, but I did a little bit of math. That leaves $100 to $110 billion that would still be left over for additional ministry expansion projects for the American church to do. When we put these numbers, and I know they're big numbers, into perspective I think about no wonder the enemy has purposely attached the American Christian with materialism and greed, with mistrust in churches and in church leaders. Satan is constantly filling our minds with lines of, you don't want to tithe, that's not a good idea. You've got to keep up with everybody else. You don't have enough. You need to keep more for yourself. This is a common one that I hear a lot is I did this, it's my money. And Satan constantly puts it into our head as you've done this, this is yours. Do you see what's happening? We have an underfunded American Christian church with potential that would blow our minds, that would change this world, and we're not able to reach the lost. And we're not able to do the things that we are called to do. Think about what the church could do if it were fully funded. The church here, the church in Minneapolis, the church around the world, what could we do? Here's a little side note that I want to throw at you really quick and it breaks my heart in a way. Only 10 to 15% of American Christians tithe. 10 to 15% of Christians actually put their trust in what God says in his word. And I just want to hit something really quick here. I know that some Christians don't tithe because they will argue this. They will say that this is an Old Testament command and it's not in the New Testament. Fine. Maybe I'll concede that if you really want to argue with me. And I'm not saying that I agree with you, but I don't care. You can claim it. You can argue with me. You can show me verses pulled here and there to put your argument together, the lack of verses that talk about giving a tenth or ten percent, and that's absolutely fine. It's not my point. Where's your heart? I want you to know that God still wants to be first in every area of your life. You can't argue that with me. You can't tell me that he doesn't care what you do with your money. You can't tell me that this is the one area of your life that you are exempt. Because if you really want to go New Testament with me, Jesus says things like this, you cannot serve both God and money. Or this line, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Or this one, sell all your possessions and follow me. And I believe that this principle of the tithe is something that God put in place because he knew that people would argue that they would push back on this, so he decided to give it an easy, practical way for people to do it. Just 10%. But maybe you're sitting here, maybe you feel your defenses go up. My challenge is this, you better be praying about what God wants you to do with that. What he has given you. And I I believe that if you begin praying and you you begin to go towards God rather than away from him, he's going to ask you to give more than 10%. Because God loves first fruit faith. First fruit faith. And it's a principle we see throughout. We have this tendency to pile it all up over here first, right? This is how we live our lives. This is our table. We put it over here, and then after we've paid the bills, we bought the grocery, we set aside for retirement, we went shopping. Oh, we have a hobby, right? And then we say, whatever's left over, we give it to God. And how many of you know that if you live that way, this world will just devour everything that we have, and you never, ever have enough to put anything on His table. God says, put it over here first. I don't want to be a leftover thought. I want to be first in your life. I want first fruit. The situation that we read about in Malachi, and maybe you're like, I don't know what is happening there, but the situation, they, this is people that had been out of Israel they have been exiled and they are coming back to Israel and they're trying to come back to Jerusalem and they're rebuilding walls and businesses and the temple and all of this and they ask God, God, what do you want us to do first? God says, bring the tithe to me. And in their logical minds, just like we would think, we're like, God, what do we, we need to build our house first. We need to get the economy right. We need to fix the civic improvement issues. We need a national defense. We need an army. And God, after we do all that, then... We'll get the tithing thing going. God's like, no, you do this first. You do this first, and I will help you put all of the rest of that into place. That's how it works with God. First, you honor me, he says, and then I'll take care of you. God says, I love first fruit faith. Music team, will you please come? I know that talking about money in church, like as soon as I said it, I know that there are walls that went up. I know that defenses are up. That All those lines I talked about, we think it's mine, I earned it, I worked hard for it. All of those things maybe floated through your mind this morning. God's just asking for first fruit faith. He's asking for a tenth. I mean, I'll even put these back. This, this is what God's asking for. This is it, and he's giving you all of this. How you view God has everything to do with whether or not you will fa- practice this principle. How you see God is, is, has everything to do with whether you're going to do this or not. Because if you view all this as a religious thing or another thing that you have to do or don't do, that it's a check mark in a box, that's not what this is about. And I'm not here this morning talking about tithing to guilt you into giving. That is not, again, what this is about. Because remember, Jesus reminded the Pharisees that you were given a tenth, but the heart of it, it was about a checkbox. They missed justice, mercy. We are told that we are to give with joyful hearts. We should give because we love God and we want him to be number one in our lives. This is not a command, but this is an absolute principle that God put in place to get our hearts on track. When our hearts are his, we think things like, God, you have given me so much You have given me all of this. And I want to give. I want to put you first. So I just just want to start piling it on yours. Because whenever I do, God, you bless me. And you do amazing things. And I see amazing things happen, not just in my life, but other people's lives are changed and they're transformed. I want to give to kingdom builders. I want to help missionaries. I want to do more because I want to give to help those who are lost and in need. And when we do this again, we begin to look for different ways to give God to, give to God. It's above and beyond, and it's how giving grows in your heart as we begin to desire to move more of our 90% into God's kingdom, because we realize it's all from him anyways. This is not, I guess I'll do this. That's not what I want you to do after this. It truly is, it should be, I get to do this. One of the things that when Buster and I started going to River of Life Church a few years ago, quite a while ago now, I want you all to know that That our church practices this principle as well. We don't just stand up here and talk about the 10% and this is what you should give, but our church itself practices this principle. We take here at River of Life 10% of everything that is given to our church right away and give it away. 10% right off the bat. Before we pay the church bills, before we pay our church staff, before we do anything else, we take 10% and we give it to missionaries that go around the world to spread the good news of Jesus. Because we wanna practice what we're talking about, right? So as a church itself, we tithe. We do it as a church, we do it as individuals, and it has never ever been anything that I have been upset about doing in my life. Because I have seen God over and over and over take care of us as a couple, take care of other people. I've seen him move in just amazing ways. I thank God every time I get to give. I thank God that I get to be a part of his kingdom moving forward. And there's nothing better that I could do with what he has entrusted me. I find joy in giving. And I'm praying that you also find the joy of putting God first as well. So can we all stand? I just wanna pray for us as we begin to close this up. So in response today, I just simply want to ask you, what is God speaking to you about this today? What is God asking you to give? Maybe this has been an issue that you've struggled with for so long. What is God asking you to give today? I don't want us to walk out of here this morning and do nothing about what we've heard or maybe what we've seen. can be really impactful seeing this, right? But let's do something about it. At the very least, when you walk out of here today, pray about what God wants you to give. And then allow God to speak to you directly and be obedient in what he asks. God asks us to test him on it. I can attest that he will provide everything that you will need. He's done it for me. So let's pray, Father God, God, we know that this is a subject that's touchy and people don't want to talk about it. But God, we have these tables in front of us and and just this example of fruit, we see how much you have blessed us. God, I pray for the heart right now that's struggling with this, that maybe is pushing back on it. God, I just pray that you would speak just gently to their heart that you would begin to draw them closer to you. God, I pray for hearts that are already moving towards you that you would begin to move and just ways for them to go above and beyond. And so God, as we, we think about the tithe this week and we think about how much more we can do beyond that, would you challenge us? God, change us in this way because with what you could do with our finances, God, we can change this world. And so God, use us, use our finances, speak to us, challenge us in in just such a personal way, God, with what you're teaching us this morning. God, thank you for the opportunity to give back to you. God, help us to be joyful givers, generous givers, and, and givers whose hearts are just running towards you. God, we love you and we thank you for your word and for the time that we have spent together this morning. God, we give it all to you.